Blog Talk Radio. The Franciscan Friars of the Atonement present the Ave Maria Hour. Hello, this is Father Bob Warren of the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. Thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour radio show. The Friars' popular Ave Maria Hour was first brought to the radio airwaves in 1939, recorded in New York City and on the mountainside grounds at Graymore, a home in Garrison, New York. These timeless classic stories of the Bible and the lives of the saints came to life each week through dramatic reenactment by professional actors and actresses. You know, friends, Christ once said, Do not hide your treasure under a bushel. In saying this, he meant share your gifts, share your talents. The Friars of the Atonement feel the message in these broadcasts remains as powerful and timely as when they were originally aired, and we are so happy to be able to share them with you today. To learn more about the missions and ministries of the Friars of the Atonement, I invite you to visit our website, www.atonementfriars.org. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour. Lawrence O'Toole. Indeed, and that's a very fine idea it is, it is. Now, there's a soft tenderness in my heart when I talk about sweet little Lorcan O'Toole. For I was mother and father to him, in a manner of speaking, I mean. And I'm not at all sure but what some of my own saintliness didn't rub off on him, and that it's myself who should get the credit for this fine Irish saint... Although I'm not at all sure I'm the one who should be pointing this out. Well, anyway, it all happened about 900 long years ago, in Ireland, which in those days was divided into many small kingdoms. I was sent by me master, the black-hearted, treacherous Dermot McMurrah, King of Leinster, to the castle of Maurice O'Toole. And a fine figure of a fighting man he was, too, with a bushel of red hair that was so thick he could hardly put his helmet on. And now, I must confess that when I was brought before him, he viewed me with what might be called considerable distaste, for he knew me for what I was, a henchman of the king. What did you say your name is? O'Casey, my lord. Philbert O'Casey, in the service of Dermot McMurrah. Well, I'm glad to observe no evidence of pride about you when you admit to serving that scoundrel. Hey, my lord O'Toole, it's a modest man I am. Modest you must be to serve such a man. Hey, my lord, it's a similar plight we're in, having both sworn allegiance to him. I swore no allegiance. I swore to oppose the enemy to the west and north. It's my own cruel and bitter misfortune, that. And his enemies happen to also be mine. So because of that, and for no other reason, I'll be ready to support him in battle whenever the time is ripe. Uh, my lord, it's my own painful duty 
to have to report that the king would like further assurance of your loyalty and readiness to fight on his side. He has me word. The word of our tool. What better assurance he want? Well, he, he, he did say he'd like the custody of one of your sons. The custody? He wants the custody of one of my sons. That's what he says, me brave lord. It was a harsh and bitter pill for Maurice O'Toole to swallow. And in due time, he sent for his youngest son, Larkin, a slip of a lad, not more than nine years old. I call him Larkin because that's the Irish form of the name Lawrence. Stand up straight, sonny. Yes, Papa. Look me straight in the eye like a true Irishman. Yes, Papa. Ah, that's better. But you're not much to look at, are you, lad? I'm sorry, Papa. Never be the kind of man your brothers are. Mm, no, Papa. But you're the idol of your mother's eye, and you're obedient. So I suppose there's some virtue in you, even if you are so pale and thin. Mama says I'll feel out someday, Papa. Ah, well, hope for the best, Larkin. In the meantime, to my way of thinking, a change might do you good. So I'm going to send you away to the castle of the king himself. What do you think of that, lad? Oh, Papa, I don't want to go away. I have no choice in the matter, Sonny. Now listen to me, boy. You're going to be a sort of hostage. Now you'll be safe just as long as I remain loyal to the king. If I don't give in and send you, he'll send an army to get you, and there'll be bloodshed here... His army's bigger than mine. So there it is, lad. You'll be going away this very day. How, how long will I be gone, Papa? That's uh, a question I'm unable to answer. But just see to it you behave like an O'Toole, no matter what happens. You hear me, lad? Yes, Papa. And so little Arkan O'Toole was placed in my charge. And together we rode away into the green hills, toward the castle of the king, resting every now and then by the wayside. Mr. O'Casey? Eh? Am I going to be thrown into a dark dungeon? A dungeon? With other prisoners of the king. Well, now, as I recall, the dungeons of the king are full to overflowing. But, of course, you never can tell. Uh, we might have a special dungeon built for the youngest son of Maurice O'Toole. But I haven't done any harm to anyone. The good Lord himself didn't harm anyone. But look what they did to him. Mr. O'Casey. Aye? Must, must the innocent always suffer? If the innocent suffer while they're on earth, it's a sure mark they won't have to suffer after they're dead and buried. And if you ask me, that's a rare pearl of wisdom I've just dropped in your lap. And so I took little Lorcan O'Toole to the castle of the king. And for a while, the boy was treated with all the respect due to him. For after all, he was a prince in his own right. 
And it was no punishment at all at all for him to be a prisoner in the castle, except that he missed his mother, as any child might. But one day, I was obliged to carry some sad news to him. Well, now, I, I shouldn't be interrupting you from your studies. I was reading about Ireland. And you couldn't be reading better literature. Well, it says here that the Irish were the ones to spread Christianity into Western Europe. Is it true? Ever since St. Patrick, aye, it's true, lad. Why, and it's just as true that Ireland is the center of learning and culture, and that young men come from all parts of Europe to study at our monasteries and schools. Um, lad, I have some bad news for you. Bad news, Mr. O'Casey? Your father has disobeyed the king. Him with his red hair and his hot temper and not giving a thought to his youngest son held in this castle. Aye. Aye, he's disobeyed the king. And you've got to be punished for what he's done. What's going to happen to me? I'm to take you away, lad. Deep into the wilderness where we'll see no man and no sign of habitation. Ah. My heart bleeds for you, lad. Well, of course, I'll be with you, if that's any consolation. Why, I to be punished for what my father's done? Aye. You'll not be allowed to take any clothes with you, except what you have on. And you're to live on a piece of bread and some water every day of your life. And sleep on the bare ground, summer and winter... Sweet little Lorcan O'Toole into the wilds of Ireland. And finally, we came to a most remote spot, which was to be our home for all time to come. A marshland in the wilderness, surrounded by mountains. And it rained. And the rain was mixed with snow. And little Lorcan O'Toole was blue in the face as we gathered branches and twigs to build some sort of a rough shelter for our weary and frozen bones. But why did he not have me killed? The king? There would have been kinder to kill me. And then you wouldn't have had to come out here in the mountains. Ah, oh, lad, it's not to punish you that the king exiled you into this wilderness. It's to punish your father. For neither he nor your mother will ever know whether you're still alive or dead. Or what's become of you. My poor mama. <sighs> Indeed, it's always the women who must suffer. But it's so cruel. He's a devil in human form, is the King of Leinster, lad. Towards the end of winter, little Lorcan O'Toole was desperately ill. And it seemed to me that the boy couldn't live but a few more days. As for me, I was consumed, I was, with a burning hatred for Dermot McMurra, the King of Leinster. But all I could do was sit there beside the dying child he doomed to such a miserable death out in the wilderness. Oh, do, do you feel feverish, lad? I, I'll be all right, Mr. O'Casey. I'm... I'm sorry, I'm so much trouble. Oh, it's not yourself who's any trouble, lad. 
but for the life of me, I wouldn't be knowing what to do for you. Surely, in the name of the Holy Virgin, there should be something I could do. Pray. Pray? I... I've been praying for you. No, pray for the king. For the king? Aye. Pray for Dermot McMurrah. He should be prayed for, Mr. O'Casey. Now I think that'd be carrying Christianity a little too far. Mama says we should always pray for others. She told me we should always ask God to bless the ones we like the least. Aye, that's a fine and noble Christian philosophy, and your mother must be a rare and saintly woman. But for myself, I'd find it a mighty difficult in my heart to get down on my knees and ask a blessing for Dermot McMurrah. You have to practice. You have to learn to pray for the ones you hate. You have to practice asking God to bless your enemies. It'd take a lot of practice for myself to be asking any of the saints to intercede on behalf of that black-hearted scoundrel who sent you out here to die of cold and the hunger. You must pray for him, Mr. O'Casey. Jesus told us to, to love our enemies and pray for them. <laughs> oh... Oh, my poor, poor little Lorcan O'Toole. Ah, there, there, lad. If it's what you want, I'll turn me eyes towards the Holy Virgin. And maybe she'll help you in your sorry plight. Pray for the king. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost... Oh, Mary, Mother of God, it's meself, Philbert O'Casey, who's on me knees in this cold and heartless wilderness and who's desperately concerned over the poor, frail lad that's in me charge. He wants you to bless the immortal soul of that treacherous spalpeen Dermot McMurra. And so here I am, Holy Mother, and though it goes against the grain... I'm asking you for this special favor on behalf of poor little Larkin O'Toole. Uh, and if you'd see fit to look with grace upon Dermot McMara and maybe let him see the error of his ways. I did what you wanted, lad. Thank you, Mr. O'Casey. <coughs> How are you feeling? Oh, 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 much better. At last it's not snowing, nor is it raining, and the air is nice and dry and crisp, even if it is freezing cold. Uh, I'll put a few more twigs on the fire. Yes, that'll be nice. Lad, are you breathing? Is it still in the land of living that you are? For I see no sign of life. Speak to me, Sonny. Or if you haven't the strength, at least open your eyes so that I can see you're alive. Oh, Holy Mother of God, look with favor upon this lad, for there's not even a priest within five long days' walk from here. Ah, oh, so there's still the breath of life in you, lad. But for how much longer... He didn't get any better, but then neither did he get any worse. 
but it was scant comfort for me. For with each long passing day and night, I thought poor little Orkin O'Toole would breathe his last. But we prayed, and we prayed, always asking a blessing for Dermot McMurra, King of Leinster. And every now and then, the lad would rally. What are you thinking about, Mr. O'Casey? I'm thinking that mortal man was put into this sad, sad world to suffer. I suppose so. Aye. Perhaps we think too much of our sufferings, though, and don't think enough about God. Lad, I fear that mortal man finds it a little difficult not to think about his sufferings. But if we practice thinking about God... Oh, there you go again with that business of practice. But it's true, Mr. O'Casey. Aye. I suppose it is, Sonny. I suppose you're right. If you practice something enough, then it becomes a sort of habit... If you practice loving God and thinking about him more and more, it'd become like a second nature. <laughs> oh, you have a lot of wisdom in that little head of yours. Hey, did you hear that? I didn't hear anything. A wolf pack somewhere up in the hills. Oh, let's hope they don't come in this direction. For if they do, they'll put an end to us and our sufferings into the bargain. <coughs> Enough, enough, lad. Enough of all this nonsense. I've made up my mind. We're leaving here. And the devil take Dermot McMurray and his orders. I'll, I'll find some village far away from everything where I can get you some proper care and attention. You, you go, Mr. O'Casey. I, I think I'm going to die anyhow. Please go back to the castle. Tell the king I, I died. I'll be dead. By the time you get there. Hey. Hey, what manner of talk is that, lad? Do you suppose I'd leave you here in the wilds all alone and by yourself? I couldn't travel, and I'd be a burden. Please go, Mr. O'Casey. I'll be all right. I'm not afraid to die. I'll carry on my back, and we'll find sanctuary somewhere, lad. No, you mustn't disobey the king. You swore... Allegiance to him. You mustn't break your word. <laughs> oh, my sweet little Orkin O'Toole, what am I going to do with you and your saintly piety? Uh, aye, it's true, you couldn't travel, and you wouldn't last even if I carried you on my back. It'd be too much for you. I, I suppose we'd better do a little more praying, lad. And so I did me own praying. I was conscious of little Orkin O'Toole doing his praying too. And I couldn't help wondering that night if the lad would last until morning. For he looked like a thin skeleton lying there on his back on the bare ground with not enough strength to even clasp his hands as he prayed. Oh, Mary. Mary, Mother of God, please comfort my mom and my papa and my brothers and sisters. I'm so glad Mama has 
other children besides me. And please, when I die, find some way to let her know that I'm dead so that she won't have to worry about where I am and how I am. She'll know I'm all right. And please see that Mr. O'Casey gets home safely. And please, bless Dermot McMurdo. Well, it's dreaming I am, lad. It's so weak I am. My senses are even me, and I'm suffering from a sad case of hallucinations. I get you from me sight, whoever you are and whatever you are, for you're not human. Even if you do appear before us in human form, all dressed up like a priest. I, Lorcan, Lorcan O'Toole, can you raise your face a little and see what I'm looking at? Is it a man, or is it a devil in human form? Mr. O'Casey, it's a priest of God. And coming straight towards us as if he knew where to find us. Father, if you're flesh and blood, say something. Say something! Thank God I found you, my son. Is the boy well? You know who he is, then? I've come for him. The king has pardoned his father, and I'm to take the boy to the Abbey at Glendalla to be cared for. Well, you'll need some help to get him there, so I'll go along with you. Little Lorcan O'Toole almost died on the way to the monastery. But somebody in heaven must have loved the boy too much and must have had great plans for him. There was good food waiting for us, and there was a good bed for the boy. And in a couple of weeks, he was as good as new he was and dressed in proper attire, looking like the prince that he really was. And then one day, a cavalcade of horsemen clattered into the abbey grounds. And Maurice O'Toole, with shining helmet and sword, came for his son. And the two were left together for a little while. Well, now, considering what you've gone through, you don't look much the worse for wear, Larkin. No, Papa. I feel fine. Please tell me how Mama is. Mm, she's well enough, son. Anxious to see you. And my brothers and sisters? Never better. And you're looking very fit, Papa. Well, and why not? I've enjoyed a few battles since we last saw each other. Enjoy? Papa, do you enjoy fighting and killing? Well, if a man has a cause of some kind to fight for. Anyhow, there's nothing like having your fill of fighting to make you feel at your very best, lad. Well, we'd better get on home. Because I have something important to do once we get there. Something important, Papa? Aye. It's like this, lad. It's always been my own private contention that every good Irish family should have at least one of its members serving the Lord. On the way here, when I knew you were still alive, came to me that one of my own sons should become a priest. Oh, yes, Papa. Our fairest way of going about it will be to draw lots. Whoever loses... Becomes a priest. Whoever loses? Ah, oh, it's just me way of putting it, lad. But in any case, whoever wins or loses, he's the one who'll be the priest in the family. There'll be no argument about it. So you and your three brothers will draw lots to see which of you is to represent the O'Toole family in the service of the Lord. But, Papa, there's no need to draw lots. I want to be the one. You want to be the one? Yes. You want to be a priest? Yes, Papa. That wouldn't be fair, lad. 
You should have a chance to be a soldier. I will be one, Papa. So it's a soldier of the Lord you want to be. Hmm? Papa? Aye. Why did the king pardon you? That's something I'll never know. Came as a shock to me. I don't think he even knows himself. I know why he forgave you, Papa. How can that be, lad? We prayed for him. Mr. O'Casey and I, we prayed for the king. And the Holy Virgin softened his heart towards you. You prayed for the man who was your enemy? And mine? God created him. As God created anybody else. We're all God's children, Papa, no matter who or what we are. But isn't it right to pray for others? Even the ones who do you harm? Oh, I, I know it's very difficult sometimes, but if you practice... It's a saint I have in my family, that's what it is. It's a saint that Maurice O'Toole has for a younger son. May I be the one to become a priest, Papa? Be a sin if I said no, wouldn't it, lad? And little Lorcan O'Toole did become a priest of God. And he lived a saintly life, becoming Bishop of Dublin. And the things he did in later life, as important as they were, were only reflections of what he was when he was a child. For he was taught a love of God by his mother. And he grew up practicing that love. Which is why Ireland can boast of St. Lawrence O'Toole among her many saints. And nobody can deny me own part in this great and glorious fact, now can they? to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour, brought to you by the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. For over 110 years, the Friars have devoted themselves to fulfilling St. Francis' prayer, to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, and to bring home those who have lost their way. We work for Christian unity and interreligious understanding. We provide respite at our retreat center at Greymoor for those in need of spiritual renewal. We staff parishes throughout the world, serve as chaplains for colleges, hospitals, and prisons. We care for the ill through hospice work, ministry to those with HIV-AIDS. We also shelter the homeless and provide treatment and services for those suffering from alcoholism and drug addiction. If you would like to be included in our prayer list, participate in special St. Anthony Novenas, and or visit St. Anthony Shrine Graymore. Attend a retreat, learn more about our Ave Maria Hour productions, or simply make a donation to assist us in fulfilling St. Francis' prayer to help those in need. Please visit our website at atonementfriars.org or email me at avemaria at atonementfriars.org. You can write to me, Father Bob, Friars of the Atonement, Graymore, Post Office Box 300, Garrison, New York, 10524. And so, in closing, 
I ask for the blessing of God upon you and those you love. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he look upon you with kindness and give you his peace. Amen.